Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus. Please be seated. Some of you know that we are in the midst of a sermon series on grace. I'd like to believe that every sermon is rooted in grace. It's just this month we're paying attention to it in a particular way. And this series is called Grace Still Amazing. And what we're gonna be doing in September is kind of unpacking grace, turning the crystal just a little bit um, to figure out what is it we're talking about when we talk about grace because we believe it's at the foundation of our Christian life. You saw Chris wave these little blue books last Sunday. I'm gonna wave it again to remind you that all around the church we have uh, these places where there's a little space each day to record a moment of grace. And it is deceptively simple and also life-changing. Those of you who are already doing it know that it is stirring something in you, it's leading you to a new place. So please take one of these for yourself, your family, even your friends, we can have plenty more made. So these blue booklets are available to you. Last Sunday in the first series, the rector asked a really good question. He was talking about grace, he brought it home to his children and his family and they looked at him somewhat blankly and said, grace, what's that? And then we started thinking as a clergy, it is true that we talk about grace, we kind of know what it feels like, often it's a warm fuzzy, but to really talk about what is grace is a little more complicated. And so last week Chris said, grace is when we experience the real presence of God in the world. Grace is when we experience the real presence of God in the world. And I've been working with that definition this week as I've been making my recordings in my book. And I suggest to you, I don't know if this is true for you, but it's true for me. When I started out, I was writing down the really sweet, blessed, positive places in life. So if I'm looking at the natural world, the fact that there's a sunset, a good meal, a fine wine. For me, this last weekend, one of my recordings was about walking on the Katy Trail. I don't know if some of you do that. I'm new to Dallas. It is one of the wonders of the world. Every size, color, type of dog, everybody's on the Katy Trail. And I found myself saying, I think that's what the kingdom of God looks like and I wanna be there, right? So I was just surrounded by all of these different kind of people on the Katy Trail and kind of feeling one with the world. So those are some examples of finding God in the natural world. And I think we know, or we wouldn't be here this morning, that sometimes we find grace in worship. And so for example, we hear a reading that stirs us, we hear something in the sermon that puzzles us, we come at Eucharist and we kneel, we're fed with the body and blood of Jesus Christ, and something has changed. We are transformed. We're not just coming here to punch a card. We're coming here to be changed by God, and that's grace. That's grace moving in us in the worship space. So we experience God in the natural world, in the spiritual world, but then this week, as you might have seen in my sermon title, I began wondering where is God's grace in the broken places? Not just the positives, not just the sunsets, but those places in our lives that are really and truly in trouble. Gaps in our marriages, fights with our friends, children who have died. I'm talking about the real broken places. If we can't find a place in our grace books for some of those broken realities, then this enterprise we're engaged in is not going to last. We have to look at how grace is manifested in the broken places. And it got me thinking about Ignatian spirituality a little bit and just a quick uh, 
point I want to make about this, this Ignatian spiritual masters point out that in the faith journey, there are two things that you can count on. You can count on consolation, which is times when you feel near to God, when God is present, when things feel nourished. It's like being at a spring in the desert. That's a place of consolation, and those are available in the spiritual journey. But you can also count on places of desolation, places that feel like a desert, places where you feel distant from God, and what's amazing is that God's grace is equally available in places of consolation and places of desolation. So that's what I wanna talk about today, those places in our lives, those places in our world where it feels like desolation, but God's grace is active because what happens in desolation is that we have to go deeper for the water. We have to drill down further. We become stronger and more stable in Christ. So that's what we're gonna talk about a little bit today. If you look at the scripture lessons for today, you can see grace in the broken places. And that first verse from Luke, who's coming to hear Jesus? The broken, the sinners, the outcasts. They are the ones, they feel something in Jesus that is welcoming, that is hospitable. They know they're not gonna be turned away. And in fact, it's the Pharisees, the leaders, the so-called righteous who are furious at this man. And that tells us something about Christians, how we're meant to be in the world. Do people feel a sense of safety and hospitality that they can bring their broken places to be healed by the grace of God? And so right there in that lesson, you see in that opening verse that the broken are finding their way to Jesus. And then he goes on and talks about those who are lost, the coin that is lost. That's the one where God's attention is. You're gonna be baptized no matter what. You cannot fight it. <laughs> Basically what Jesus is doing in the lesson is what we're called to do in our baptism, which is to respect the dignity of every human being. And I want you to think about that as we talk now about the broken places. Are we able to respect the dignity, not only of the lost, the broken, the outcast, but that place in ourselves that we find unworthy, that we find embarrassing? Can we treat that place with as much dignity as Jesus did? So this week, um, one of the things I'm becoming accustomed to here at the church is the Mission and Outreach Committee, and you can't believe the number of opportunities to serve in this church and in Dallas, and I hope that you will learn more about some of the offerings of the Mission and Outreach Committee. I went on a bus tour with a bunch, maybe 40 or 50 people, um, and it was led by Project Moses. I think some of you have heard about this. This is how do we combat human trafficking? It's a hard thing to talk about, but it's real. It's real in the world. 24.9 million people are trafficked, either for forced labor or sexual exploitation. And then more concerning in Dallas, I had no idea, every given day, 400 teenagers are being trafficked. 400 teenagers a day in Dallas, creating 99 million in profits for the traffickers. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, the focus was all on, you know, what did she do? Why is she engaged in that behavior? Kind of, you know, the way we would talk about prostitutes. And what's changed is now we're saying, what about these traffickers, the ones who are putting them in harm's way, the ones who are forcing or coercing them, and the ones who are really creating the brokenness as well as those creating the demand, either through prostitution or through cyber sex. 
okay? So we need to look at the whole picture here and figure out how do we help mostly women, some men, escape these lives of bondage. And on this bus tour, (laughs) I love you so much. (laughs) On this bus tour, what we did is we just went to four spots in Dallas that have had uh, experiences of trafficking and the person, the law enforcement person leading us told us what happened in that site, who was trafficking them. Some were more individual uh, opportunities for trafficking, but some were organized crime. And it was really hair-raising. It was deeply disturbing. And I found myself praying as we went through this bus tour, who are the people out there who are desperate to hear about God's love? Who are those that need to know that they have dignity and that we as the Christian church have the opportunity to bring that to them? And so this organization that's partnering with Project Moses called New Friends, New Life, they are bringing grace in tangible terms to these broken places. It's not just theoretical. They're bringing the grace of a youth drop-in center where exploited teenagers can connect in a safe place. That's one of the hard things is to find a safe place to be when you're in this situation. This organization is bringing the grace of continuing education, helping people get their GEDs or even begin their college education. There's the grace of job preparation, making sure that these young women have clothes that they can go to interviews in and that they're developing skills that are marketable. All of these are examples of grace being pushed in to places that are graceless and I believe that that is what Christ lived and I believe it's what he's calling us to. We can be the hands and heart of Jesus practicing grace in broken places. So for this next week, as you record your grace moments, I hope they will be warm and beautiful and loving, and I hope also that you will have the courage to look at those places in your life, those places where the gaps are, where you're not quite sure how God will be known in that because it feels like no matter what you do, you can't fix it. I have a family relationship, an extended family member. It just feels like there's a brokenness there and nothing that I do can heal that. And so that's where I have to trust completely in God's grace, that God is mending something that I can't see. Rumi, an ancient Sufi poet from the 13th century, seems to have a spiritual understanding that transcends time, culture, and religion. Listen to his four-line poem on grace. You are so weak, give up to grace. The ocean takes care of each wave till it gets to shore. You need more help than you know. You are so weak, give up to grace. The ocean takes care of each wave till it gets to shore. You need more help than you know. Ultimately, grace is not something we do. Grace is something that God does in us, in our world, and we are invited to respond to that grace with open hearts, but the initiative comes from God. Invite God's grace into those broken places and bear witness to God making all things new. Amen.